Well, we might not recommend any of those, actually. And uh, the funny thing is, uh, some of those are funny and we like to laugh at them, but boy, we can see reality in some of them, can't we? Well, we're going to talk about marriage for the next uh, few minutes. And like I said, I think the principles we're going to talk about, they, they translate across the board. So um, I encourage you to lock in. Now, I, I want to say, though, up front, um, when we talk about marriage, when we would talk about building a marriage and growing your marriage, this is serious real stuff. And I recognize for many of you, maybe even as statistics say most of us, we're dealing with a rough marriage situation. And if it's not a permanent thing that you've dealt with for years and years and years, you're in a season where it might be difficult and there's a struggle involved. And so this morning, uh, it might be very uh, especially true for you that you take these things and you go home with your spouse. You sit down and you just have a little conference together and say, how are we tracking on these things? What can we do with these areas right here? And uh, that's that's, uh, could be a huge benefit for you. So five things I'd like to walk through this morning in relationships and, and especially in marriages key things. Now, I want to share with you uh, up front. I've been married 16 years now. Um, for some, many of you, you can just blow me away in that number. Um, but I, for 16 years, I've kind of been married long enough to see a little bit of ebb and flow of things. And I've been able to walk through seasons where it wasn't as rosy with us when the word commitment took over rather than love, 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 you know, or at least goo goo love. Um, and I've had p- times after that, where there's just this immense passion for my wife and love for my wife as well. Um, I'm going to take you back all the way back when we got married. We got married in Wilmore, Kentucky, this small town. And uh, I want to tell you that uh, I had huge anxiety on my marriage night, uh, the wedding night. But not for the reason you're thinking right now. So stay with me, huh? I couldn't find the hotel key. Uh, I had gone to the hotel. I had booked the whole thing. My, my, my buddy was with me. We kind of set up, the, you know, with the chocolates and roses, all that kind of stuff. But I couldn't find the key, you know, somewhere in the going to the wedding and, and all of that. And this was before the time where, you know, there was these little swipe things with every hotel. There was an actual key, and you paid a little key deposit along with it. And I knew we, I was going to have to pay for another key uh, to go to the hotel. And, and this is, you know, this is starting out young marriage here. And you know, starting out young marriage, what type of finances you're looking at. I, mean, I think we had something like $74 to go and do a honeymoon with, something like that. Um, but uh, so to think I was going to have to pay $7, $8, whatever it was for a new key was, was panic city for me. But I didn't want to tell her. So isn't that how we do it sometimes? I mean, I didn't want to communicate. So I didn't. I didn't say a word to her. Um, on it, and I went, and somehow I was able to finagle with the, the sob story of this is my wedding, I can't find the key, you know, the, the whole bit. I was able to, to finagle a new key, uh, and, and, uh, and that, that was a good thing, um, because the hallway just, well, well I digress. So um, it is amazing, though, in our marriages how we start off in the very beginning even though we've just stood before a pastor and we've talked about the oneness in this union and then we start the whole journey of the marriage out or we end up there or we get there kind of walking our own road and she or he are walking their own road and we're kind of these two roads walking separately and we're trying to figure out at some point, why is our marriage not like I thought it would be? And so this morning I want to talk about 
a few of those things. And so if you have uh, a notepad and you want to write some of these down, uh, feel free. As I shared with you this, this week, the, the church computer died, which was my computer. So uh, there was no printed material this week for you. So you have to go back to the old method of actually writing it down yourself. So you can do that, right? Yeah. First thing is this. Uh, the word that, that I want to share with you is the word time. Now, this would really come as no surprise to us within a marriage that we have to spend time together as a couple. Hear it this way. We want to make the marriage relationship the primary one, the primary relationship in our life. Take a look at Matthew 19, starting in verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, this is a pretty famous passage. You might have even had it read in your wedding. When I do weddings, I often use a passage like this, but it's connected, this word one, it's actually connected to an Old Testament passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Same word, same word being used. So when they describe God as one, your Lord as one, it's the same word being used to describe this union between a male and female. Now, when we look at the oneness of God and we look at the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit being one, these separate roles, but being one person, one being And to think that that is the very way the Bible describes our relationship with our spouse as one, this union. And when you think right now about it, you could already have your own maybe... um, maybe defining words of what your relationship looks like. You might walk through a whole list of them. And for some of you, the word one might not appear at all on that list. You're on separate roads, separate journeys. But the Bible has said this relationship... This is the primary relationship we need to have. This is the one relationship that needs to be above all other relationship. How is it sometimes that our relationship, our marriage, the the joy of the wedding ceremony, how is it that it digresses to some point to that relationship not being the central and the key relationship? Well, often it's a slow matriculation, and for many of us, it starts with the word time. We just stopped spending the time together that we once spent together. For some of us, we've made the choice not to spend that type of time together. We found something out there that uh, we enjoyed a little bit, and we started to put our time towards that thing. For some of us, it's a job type of thing where we got so locked into the job, and we saw that if we just pushed a little bit more, there would be more acceleration in our job, or there'd be a, little, a few more hours, or I could get some time and a half, and our family really could use that. But at the end of the day, the word time comes into effect here. For some of us, it's, it's, even, it's even circumstantial. We have kids, and we have to start navigating what our time looks like now when we have these kids' schedules, and we're running around, and we're getting them to different activities and, and whatnot, and time becomes a factor. Andy Stanley writes a book called Choosing to Cheat, and in this book, he talks about that really to cover all the areas of our life that we are involved in, we kind of have to cheat time-wise in some area. You can't do everything at your job that you would like to do to get ahead in your job because you need to go do other things. 
You can't do everything in your area of hobbies that you would love to do. I mean, I would love to be on the golf course about every day. We can't do those type of things. We have to kind of cheat our hobbies. Well, you can't do everything with the, with the buddies you know, that you'd like to do. And it's seemingly we can't do everything with the family. The premise of the book and, and the outcome, a short book, and, and I would encourage you to read it. The premise is basically this. You're going to have to cheat time-wise in some area of your life. Don't cheat the family. Don't cheat the family. Because guess what? You have a spouse at home that will love you. And she'll put up or he'll put up with you. In fact, she'll go years and years and years putting up with struggles in the schedule, struggles in time, not being there. And then one day that spouse will wake up and say, you know, this just isn't working. doesn't work that way for our job. You're late two or three times. Guess what? You're gone. They'll find somebody else. Doesn't work that way in, in your relationships with, with, with the, you know, your, your peers. You don't show up a few times. That's fine. They'll just go do their own thing and out there. The hobby, the golf courses, they still continue whether you're on there or not. But it doesn't work that way at home. At home, our spouses and our families, they love us so dearly that we'll put to the side and put to the side and put to the side in the area of time. And before you know it, you wake up and you go, I don't even know this person. I don't even know this person. Maybe we should implement that policy of, you know, like the little uh, three, you know, you're late three times to work and, and you have the sit-down conversation with your boss. Maybe it should be mandatory for all of us. But we'll go often years after year after year. And time, time becomes a major factor in that. So time, spending time together. It's not brain surgery. I mean, you know, you know, spending time with someone, spending time with them, is a key to any relationship. The second one that we're going to look at this morning is the word talk. Well, I guess I have to put that cat back on in between. Spare. It's the word talk. And it's simply communicating with one another and speaking with one another back and forth. James uh, 1.9 actually talks about this when in the area of anger. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What is James talking about there? He's talking about how important it is to have communication and talk within the relationship. You can say it this way, let communication be free and let it be honest. Now evaluate for, for just a second. In your relationship, do you view communication with your spouse as something you can just have openly and honestly? Does there have to be a long buildup before you can actually speak honestly with your spouse? You see, when we are, reach the point where we can be really free and honest and to speak and to communicate and to talk with our spouse, that's light years ahead of where a relationship could be without that. So talking and sharing and communicating. You know, men and women are a little bit different. Have you ever noticed that? So, yeah, you know that. Um, there's a little Klondike commercial out right now. Um, maybe you've seen it. So, but uh, basically the husband has to listen to his wife for three seconds, and then he wins a Klondike bar. And so it's a, you know, funny little commercial on that. But I think it's a sad commentary on us. That we think often, as men, we think, well, our, my wife just talks all the time. She just wants to talk, 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 talk. She wants to share her day. She wants to share her emotions. She wants to share this and that. She wants to tell me about her friends. Just talk, 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 talk. And I, you know, it's a sad commentary because here's this person who is the most central and valuable relationship in our life. And this person's saying, I want to talk with you. I want to communicate with you. I want to share with you. 
And then on the flip side, you have, you know, us men sometimes that, you know, we, we don't enjoy the talking so much. We would like to, if we could say it in three words, our little three-word spurts, you know, that would be gold for us, you know, and maybe a grunt or two here and there. And then that's about it. I mean, we've about covered it. That's what we need to do. If you've ever sat back and you've listened to guys on phone conversations when, when we call and we talk, I mean, it's very, very abrupt and quick in those, these phone conversations. And when you get off, you know, you might listen to us and you say, what exactly did you guys communicate? You didn't say a word. We know exactly what we said to each other. Know exactly what we said. How do you blend those two together and you talk? Well, guess what, guys? Whether we speak that way with our friends or not, the truth of the matter is there is something within us. There's something about who we are and how we dissect things and how we, we look at things and how we're feeling that even us, we want to share and we want to talk. And we want to communicate. And when the door opens to communicating and talking freely with our spouse, things open. I mean, think about it, men. If, would you have the boldness to actually say to your spouse ever, you know, I think you talk too much. <laughs> the danger zone. Or spouse, would you have the opportunity to say, you never want to talk, period. Maybe you've done that in a very strong, harsh tone, but, uh, but in a calm tone. Oh talking free and honest, it leads us down the road to be able to really share just about anything. Can I share one of these with you? I I think I've told you this in the past, but it's it's so good. I'll share it again. Um, There just became a time in our marriage where I had to do um, an evaluation. And the evaluation was over the chili that was being made in our house. Um, Cherie was handling the chili up to this point, the chili making. And uh, we we had gone a few years having the chili and... um, and I just, there was finally a time where I felt like um, we had to let Shree know that the, the chili was just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't good. And we just, we could no, we could no longer eat, we could no longer eat the chili. And um, <laughs> so I'm going to tell you how much nervousness, fear, anxiety I had over talking about a pot of chili um, with my spouse. But the funny thing is we talked about this. We did talk about the chili. I have been making the chili since and um, in that. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's open for interpretation. So, um, but my small group is having chili tonight. So uh, come at your own risk. So, but it's interesting. When we had that discussion about chili, it's amazing how many times since then we have talked about this communication, just openly sharing communication. We have a little phrase, and the phrase is risking the wrath. That's what we say, you know, that we risk the wrath to speak honestly and openly to one another, to share and to talk, and that sometimes we even risk the other person maybe being offended a little bit or taking something the wrong way or not even know something, and and it was really on the chili, it was more my fault for letting it go a, a long time on that. So communicating talking. It's so significant in our relationships. The third word is the word train. Not the choo-choo kind, but training ourselves in our marriage. And think about it this way. We have to be intentional about improving our marriage. You see, marriage is one of those few things that it starts out on an extreme, extreme high, and probably in the area of infatuation is about the highest point When we walked down the aisle, I remember when the doors opened and there was Sheree there and I just, you know, I just about lost it up there, you know, and I was a guy whose favorite movie is Die Hard and I knew I could not cry up on stage, but boy, it got me, 
<laughs> you know, like that when the doors open. And that was my dream that one day the doors would open and she'd be standing there. And that's why I said, no, no outdoor wedding because I need the doors to open up. That's the height of infatuation, right? But it's not the height of love in your relationship. It's not the height of love. You see, love grows and builds. The word commitment deepens. And the word commitment and, and that love, they infuse with one another as we grow. But guess what? It doesn't just happen. It just doesn't happen in our marriage. It's not like where we walk away from the wedding and we think if we don't keep working at our marriage, we don't keep training and proving, being an intentional about it, everything will be good. If that was the case, the divorce rate just simply wouldn't be what it currently is. 51% is where the divorce rate currently sits uh, in the U.S. And as believers, it sits somewhere around 42%. Not a whole lot better. Why? Because for many of us, we've forgotten that we need to intentionally improve our marriage. That we need to be purposely working towards improving our marriage. One time uh, I got uh, a weekend at a resort with Sheree. This is going back about eight years now. And uh, on that weekend, Sheree's parents thought it would be a really good idea if they would uh, send a DVD series or a a CD series. It was all uh, audio that we would listen to over this. And I thought, okay, that's great. We'll pop it in the car. No, um, this was like a 16-disc CD series on marriage. And so as we're at the resort, and we listened to these, not all 16, but we listened to a pretty significant number of them and probably took 80% or so of the of the retreat weekend. This was a golf resort too. And we listened to those CDs. And you know, there's a few things that we laugh about and we joke about that we heard in the CDs, things that that we thought, I don't know about that. But I'm telling you right now, that improved our marriage to no end. Spending that time where at the end of each CD, we were challenged to dialogue and to talk about what was just addressed in there. And I'm talking, it went across the board. There wasn't a subject within your marriage. And, you know, you're a little nervous about talking with intimacy with your spouse and how you're feeling and how she's feeling. You know, don't listen to that CD collection because it, it worked, worked you through everything. And for us to stop at the end and talk about each one, I can't tell you how much it improved our marriage. But we had to be intentional about those things. It would have been much, much easier and maybe more enjoyable at the moment for me to just go play golf out on the golf course. Would have been. But the building up and the improving of our marriage was far more significant in the long run. And so we have to train. We have to be intentional about our marriage. Here's the question for you this morning. Can you think about anything you've done with your spouse to intentionally deepen and build your relationship? Take it back in the last six months, year, five years, ten years. I don't know how long, how far back it goes for your thinking. But have you done anything intentional to improve? to work on your marriage. It's so significant for us. Fourth thing is this word, this word tact. <laughs> this isn't the thing, you know, we step on, but uh, this is tact, doing things with tact. Here's what I want you to hear on this, is that we need to praise our spouse publicly, and we need to correct or talk with our spouse about something on that level privately. Here's what the proverb says in Proverbs 31. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. What's neat about this scenario, if you read it in the scripture, the context here, is that the husband's doing this scenario out loud in public here. And he's praising his wife 
in public. Now, I realize that for many of you, you have Facebook accounts, and every so often you throw a little, you know, I love my spouse, so, so proud of my husband, so proud of my wife, or, or those type of things on Facebook. Um, but sometimes the flip side happens as well. Something's thrown out there, and something's communicated to the whole world. Now, we're a little more sneaky when we do something negative. We don't actually say our spouse's name, or we don't write the word spouse, you know. We just kind of leave it vague, um, though all of us know exactly what's going on and who, you, who you're referring to on that. But this is the issue of speaking well about our spouse, speaking well. We have a rule in our marriage, and we've had it since day one, and that is we'll never really speak negatively in public. Now, the chili story, I don't know, maybe you got me there. But I mean negatively, getting together with the guys and say, I don't know why my spouse does this. You know, she just drives me crazy when she does this. Or I'm on the phone, you know, with her and somebody's there, and I get off and go, Ugh. You know, we just made a commitment that will not ever happen in our marriage. One year, uh, Shree and I, we went to this uh, marriage retreat thing, and they were doing one of those dating games kind of things. You know, this was in Arizona. And they asked me a few questions, you know, and, and then, you know, you go out of the room and this type of thing, you have to kind of match it up. So I go out of the room, and they're asking Shree three questions. And what's, one of the questions they asked her was, if you could change something about your husband, what would it be? And so I came back in, and, and we got the first two questions right. Um, I can't remember what they were. And the third question was this question. And I'm just thinking, you know, what, what could she possibly want to change about me? I mean, <laughs> nothing. Nothing comes to mind at all. Um, no, I, I mean, I rattled off a few things, and, and they said, nope, no, no, nope, not that. You know, like a toothpaste cap, or is it, you know. Couldn't th- well, finally, I, I learned. And she said, she wouldn't answer the question. <laughs> She wouldn't answer. In fact, um, one of the persons, like, yeah, like she fought with us up there, you know, about that. We said, it's just a game. We're just having fun. And she said, no, I won't. And, uh, and they thought they had actually offended her by pushing her because she got very serious about it. And that's how significant it is for Cherie to never say anything like that. It's because we want to speak with tact. Does that mean we don't call each other out on things? Not at all. I just told you, we risk the wrath of each other all the time, but not in public not with somebody else. It's never my job to make you have an opinion about my spouse that's not a fair for you to have. It's my job with my spouse to talk with her and to communicate with her. So it's doing this stuff with tact. Guys especially, we're the ones that really struggle on this often. We struggle on this. We struggle sometimes in communicating to those around us that we are annoyed by our spouse. We're annoyed Man, what she does is annoys me. Why does she do that? Quit bugging me. Quit calling. What, what not? Guys, you can honor your spouse and love your spouse and communicate to her how deep you care for her if you just make that commitment never to speak to her that way. Never speak about her in public. Ever to speak that way. And in private, if you've got to talk, by all means, open communication. We've already talked about that. How significant it is. Finally, the word I want you to hear this morning is this word, testify. When we testify something, I mean, we're proclaiming something. We're saying something. You know, we're standing and saying, you know, I know something about this situation and I want to say something about it. Here you can hear it this way. Declare your love for your spouse to them, to your spouse, and to others. That we declare our love for our spouse. It's so significant that we actually speak it. 
I was talking with somebody just this past week who was sharing with me that even as an adult, their mom often critiques uh, what they do. Um, so mom comes into town, you know, something happens, and mom throws out a really strong critique. Well, let me tell you how I would have done it. Or, you know, that's, that was not very good. How you do and these are pretty straightforward, hard critiques, you know, not the, you know, slipping it in type of thing. Um, you know, like for, for, for uh, you know, some of our families, our parents slip it in like they, they'll say, you know, um, well, you know, they don't ever behave for me like that. You know, it's not that direct critique, but you know what's really being communicated. Um, this is direct. I mean, she was sharing that this is really, you know, a harsh, direct critique. And this is a grown adult here. Um, and she's wondering, why, why does the mom just, just praise her? Praise her. Why does the mom just at some point say, you know, hey, you know, what you did was, was really good. You know, whether it was spot on perfect or not, it was really good praise. What are we doing? What are we talking about? We're talking about testifying. We're talking about sharing and saying, I love you. you you're smart. What you came up with was brilliant. That was great plan. What I was thinking was terrible, but you saved the day on that. It's testifying our love to one another and caring for one another. Let me tell you the one thing that gets in the way of testifying our love to one another. It's selfishness. It's selfishness or pride. You're going to call it that is when we start to view ourselves as as smarter, more significant, better even than our spouse, it's pretty hard to testify about how much we care for her, him, love them, you know, passionate about them, how right they are and right they can be. And so we have to testify and share these type of things. And sharing these things in in public is significant as well. Now, here's what I'm not saying. Don't go make something up. just to mask and cover over when you're having a hard time in your relationship. You, know, you just had a big struggle and a fight and, and it was terrible. And then you go, oh, I just love my spouse, you know, or you, you post on Facebook, just so proud. And in your heart, you know that's not really the true. You're just wanting to project and community. That's not what we're talking about here. But we're talking about when your spouse deserves that, proclaim it. You be the one to proclaim it. Don't let somebody beat you to it. Don't let somebody else see it and share it before you. You be the one with your spouse to testify it, to share it, and to say how much you love them, how right they are, how wonderful they are, how spot on they were in some area at some particular time. It's significant. So these things, to time, spending time together. For many of you, this may be the thing right now that you have to evaluate in your relationship and just say, you know, we're just not spending the time together. And it brings in a whole series of questions where you start to have to evaluate, you know, does this mean a schedule change? Do we need to take our kid out of a certain, you know, league or something? Do I need to think about a job, uh, a transfer, a change or schedule change? Time, it's important, all right? Talking here, you know, as we go, it's easy to use the word busy to miss talking through the week. For some of you, this may be the one where you say, you know, we've got to actually schedule in time where we're communicating and we're talking. And listen, the whiteboard fridge, when you write down the schedule, that's not going to get it done to build a relationship. It's just going to help you know to get the kid picked up on time. All right? But talking, communicating. For some of you, it's training. That in your marriage, you would look and just say, you know, we're, just, we're not doing things ever to really build our relationship. Ladies, on this one, probably finding, you know, Gary Smalley's new book and having your husband read it may not be the way, may not be the best way. <laughs> yeah. But think about how as a couple, how can you come up with something that would improve your marriage and would be training on your marriage? Tact is an important thing. For many of you today, the commitment you could be made is saying, I will stop immediately now speaking negatively about my spouse in public ever. 
ever, even if they seemingly deserve it. I will not do it. I will not cross that line. I will not speak in public about my spouse that way. I will only speak with my spouse about the things I need to speak with my spouse about. And then the flip side of that, for me to testify, publicly sharing, saying, telling your spouse how, how good and right and how much you love them as well. For some of you, you may look at this list and boy, say, wow, I've, I can put all these into, into play. But I would assume for everyone, we could take at least one of these. And this week, our action plan can be to put these into place or put that thing into place. Finally, I want you to remember that your marriage, your marriage is really designed to represent the relationship between Christ and the church. That your marriage is not just something where God just wanted you to have somebody in your life that you could share things with and, and, and go places with. That God has designed your relationship. It's really a mirror. It's a mirror to way, the way he loves us and the way he loves the church. And so it's understandable sometimes on how people have a hard time viewing God and God's love when they can't see it work within a relationship as well. And so because of that, we have to remember our marriages are deeply spiritual as well. And that any time that we have two people on different spiritual growth paths, or one growing spiritually one way and one doing nothing, or one really energized by God and one wanting to have nothing to do with God, we're going to have an issue within the relationship. We have an issue because it doesn't quite represent what God designed it to represent. Today for you, maybe even above and beyond any of these things, for you and your relationship, to get your relationship and your marriage right, for you very well may be your connection with God is the key. Is you surrendering your life before God. You growing spiritually before God may be the thing this morning that's the deepest commitment that you need to make. Men, I know for sure, your wife, if she's spiritual and you're not so much, I can guarantee she is praying for you all the time in this area. All the time. I've seen it for years and years of the church. And granted, sometimes you may feel like there's a nag or a push in that area. But I'm telling you, you want to you build your marriage? Surrendering your life to Jesus, to living that way, putting the biblical principles into place. There's nothing that will do it more. There's nothing that'll do it. Even trying to walk through a, and check off all five of these as you go, doing that without the spiritual component, what God has to offer, we're going to be in a little bit of trouble. This morning, I wanted to give you time as couples, or just, just time as, as an individual here, just to go before the Lord. And uh, I want to invite, our praise team is going to come and they're going to sing a song. And as they're singing, I wanted that to just be some, some free space for you in the next three, four minutes as they're singing, just to go before the Lord and to, to spend time with Him. And it very well may be this morning that as a couple that you just are like, you know, we, you know, this is spot on for us this morning. Anything that to show up and hear about marriage is just spot on for us. And we just feel like we need to, to bow before the Lord. I want you to know this altar is available for you. And sometimes we, we like we talked about at the beginning of the series, we don't want to come forward. We don't want to bow and pray because we don't want anybody around us to think that we don't have it all perfect. We, none of us do. Not one of us in this room don't have things we need to build and work on in our marriages or in our relationships if you're not married. So by all means, if you need to come to the altar and you need to pray, if you need to get in a different posture, in a different position to do business with God, please do that. You have the freedom 
And you also have the freedom right where you're sitting to do that. As they finish off the song, I want to say a closing prayer as far as this goes. And then we'll, and then we'll move on. The altar's open. Would you pray?